What makes the journey worth it? The pain, the adversity, the opposition, the challenges, the uncertainty. Why do I have to go through this? What's the lesson in this? I got a paralyzed right arm and hand. The million dollar question I get every single day is you wouldn't change what happened to you, why? Serendipity, join us for insightful dialogues about not just successes, but about failures, opposition, adversities that shape and mold of individuals to who they are today. I'm Inky Johnson. This is Serendipity. Hey, what's going on, guys? Inky Johnson here, man. Serendipity with Inky Johnson, to be exact. But first and foremost, man, I want to say thank you guys for your support. It's been amazing, man. It's been phenomenal. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for taking time out of your lives, out of your day to tune in to different episodes with different guests, man. It's been it's just been mind-blowing, right? You know, we're coming up on the end of season one, right? It's been great, man. Thank you to all the guests, man. Phenomenal, phenomenal guests. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for sharing your processes, your journeys, your dreams, your goals, your aspirations, the people that the world have come to know, man. I greatly appreciate it. That's why I started the platform of Serendipity, right? Because oftentimes when we meet people, we think where we meet them is where they've always been. And so I'm always interested in understanding the backstory, understanding the opposition, the detours, right? The roadblocks, how we've gotten in positions that we're in and the world sees us in, right? But the guests, all of them were great, man. I just want to shout out a few, you know, my guy, Garth Brooks, man. Like we kicked it off first episode. We talked grace and mercy, right? We talked how he got in the position that he's in, right? Like phenomenal, country music legend, right? But he talked about grace and mercy in a way that I don't think a lot of us have thought about it, right? And the episode was phenomenal and served as a blessing to a lot of people. I don't think our careers would have been what they were if we were married. And I'm not sure our marriage would have survived the 90s, you know, with as much as we were, we'd be in different places all the time. So I think things work out for a reason. So when you go back and you go, what would you tell yourself? I'm not sure I'd tell myself or change anything if it meant that where I'm at right now would change in the least little way. Because we're where we're at right now, thank God, is perfect. That's awesome, man. That's so great. Like, I always think back, and as you know, Garf, a lot of people ask me all the time, like, in terms of my injury. And, you know, it's hard for people to understand, like, man, you wouldn't change that. You wouldn't do anything different. And I'm like, no, like, that's the serendipity. I firmly believe it shaped and molded me into the man, the father, the husband, the servant, the leader, the friend that I've grown to be. And so with all that's going on in the world, Garth, with the pandemic, you know, with the current climate of the world, with the things that people are going through, you know, opposition, adversity, if there were some words or some insight, you know, as we come to a close that you could give to people, if there's a mantra that you live by every single day, if there's something that you often think about or refer back to that gets you going when you have some of those dog days, uh, what would it be? Well, first of all, before I answer that, let's let's deal with Inky Johnson. I think if the injury had never happened to Inky Johnson, you'd still be the man you are today. The mm. father, you'd still do all that. I think football, yeah. uh, the game of football would be at a higher level simply mm. because what you would have contributed to it at that level. So as much as I appreciate your humbleness, I think you're one of the rare ones 
And there's only been a handful in, in, in mankind's existence that can handle all that and still be the guy you would be. Cause you can just tell when you talk to you that your blessing and curse mm. is that you're stubborn. <laughs> you know, you're going to be that guy no matter what. But what what I love about you is is the thing I never could get above was it doesn't matter who you're around, you're serving you're serving a higher power. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of us that throw away things because the 14 people we're surrounded with never got there, and they we kind of all want to be alike. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. You would not throw it away. You'd do it and still be like those 14 people because that's just, that's just who you are. You're strong enough to do that. So when I, when I get a pulpit or get to talk to people, I I think the main thing that I want to say to all of us is, is um, we do a sunrise ride once a year, me and a, a guy named Brian Kennedy, which is nicknamed Big Chuck. And a guy named Dan Roberts, which his nickname's Rodeo. And we do a sunrise rise, just us three. And we go out one morning and we watch the sun come up. And I'm sitting there. This is late 90s. I'm in the middle of these two guys on horseback. And Rodeo looks at me and goes, Garth, you know the difference between grace and mercy? I like I said, no, Chuck smiles. It says, grace is when God gives you something you don't deserve. Mm. And mercy is when God doesn't give you something you do deserve. Hmm. That right there, man, if, if we can't look at someone else who's just made a mistake, hmm. someone else who's just embarrassed themselves and not sit there and go, shit, that could be me or that was me last week and not feel for them. Hmm. If we can't look at somebody that doesn't believe like we do, if you're gay, straight, religious, you know, red, blue, black, white, whatever, if you can't look at them and go, shit, they're just like me. They're scared to death and just trying to make the best decisions they can make for them and their family. Mm. While at the whole time with the Internet now doing it publicly, mm. if you can't find empathy for that and you can't hesitate that second before you comment, mm. then I would just suggest that's what you work on. Because that, that little hesitation before you post or that little hesitation before your mouth works sometimes makes all the difference in not only your life, but the people you're talking to. Man, I can't forget my guy, IT, Isaiah Thomas, right? Former NBA player, incredible. And if anybody, anybody follows Isaiah Thomas, you know, you know, the thing that Isaiah Thomas speaks about a lot is slow grind, right? The process, slow grind, getting up and chasing those dreams, those goals and those aspirations. But he also spoke about, you know, the darkest, toughest, roughest moment of his life and how he got through that. And how he used the platform of basketball as a vehicle to get through opposition, adversity, and different tough moments in his life. Basketball has always been that escape goat for me. When I do go through tough times, I'm able to go to the gym, you know, get those things off my mind for the matter of time I'm at the gym working. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was able to do. I used basketball to be able to take my mind away from the toughest, you know, obstacle I had to face of not not having my little sister here no more and also having the right people around me to help me through that situation. You know, I still deal, deal with that daily. Like that, that's yeah. not going to go anywhere. But during that time, basketball was kind of the only thing that helped me, you know, get past it a little bit. Right on. And 
And, I, you know, I can't thank my support system enough. I can't thank God enough. I can't thank, you know, everybody who just had a helping hand in that, in that you know, tragic situation. Um, but again, it goes back to not quitting. I know mm. my little sister wouldn't want, she'd be like, man, you better play. Like, <laughs> and you better go kill them boys. No like, doubt. and that, that's just what it's always been. So, you know, I tried to use I tried to use basketball to help me get through that. But I also really leaned on, you know, my wife, first and foremost, mm -hmm. my kids, which really didn't know what was going on um, three or four years ago. And then, you know, my 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 support system in my circle. And I was able to, you know, do some incredible things at that time. But that, you know, that was that was all God. That was all God to this day. Like me being able to have a positive outlook on things when knowing something so close to my heart was taken. Do that daily. But again, I just, I think the easy thing to do would be to, you know, give up and, and, and bow down. Like I got to find a way to keep going. And that's what I always tried to figure out. No matter, you know, what I was going through, I had to figure out a way to keep going not just for myself because it's bigger than me like i said it, it, it's for the guys you know the little the little the little kids in the inner city looking up to me that don't have no outlet no you know that they, they, they don't they can't find ways to to be successful mm -hmm. like there's a way you know and i'm trying to give that to the the people that are looking up to me because i think that's most important that's incredible man um bro i never forget like when we watched that, you know, and how you process that, you know, I think it inspired the world and lead me up to this point, watching you again, fight through something that's inspiring the world. Like my mom just had double hip surgery, you know, and, and I watched her with that process of just trying to shake back and going through it. And I would go to rehab with her some days. And then you had hip surgery, uh, I think last May, right, of 2020. Yeah. And you've been in the process of working through that man to shake back to get back better than ever like how has mm -hmm. that process been for you it it's been it's been better because you know i've been hurt I, I was hurt for basically like two or three years where you know i was trying to figure out ways to 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 get healthy without doing a procedure and you know i i weighed every option um I, I, I went every obstacle I possibly could till I had to do it. And, you know, I think that was one of the best decisions of my life to get that done, to get fixed, to be finally healthy. It's like gave me an open mind to life again and made basketball fun again for me. Not saying I took basketball for granted because I never have not one day in my life. But at one point when I was fighting through my injury, basketball was not fun for me anymore. Like it like it like, you know, growing up. Absolutely. Because I never ever dealt dealt with a major injury. And I always go back to, you know, your motivational um, videos about the process. And I tell kids to this day, no matter what your process is, you can't skip it. Mm. So learn to enjoy it. Like, wow. And I had to find ways to enjoy that process of rehab six days a week, mm. 7.30 a.m. Every day. Like I had to find ways because if I didn't mentally, it would have cooked me. It would have, mm. it would have, it would have mentally just brought me down. And I'm in a great place mentally right now to where, and I, and ultimately it's because I'm healthy. I'm finally pain free. 
Um, and then like I like I keep saying, I got the right support system around me, you know. So those things allowed me not to look further than the process. Absolutely. Enjoy what I'm doing right now because I know when the time comes and I do get my opportunity, I'm gonna look back at these these days and be like and laugh about it mm. just because yeah. knowing like there's better days ahead. And you know, I'm 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 big on the process and, and just not being able to skip that. Cause you know, like you said just a minute ago, people see the right now. Like when it's when it's when it comes to success, they see when you're at the top of your success. Yep. They don't see what got you there. Can't forget my guy QB one, as I call him one Cam Newton, right? Like we talked about a lot of different things, man. But the thing that stuck and penetrated my spirit the most, he just talked about wanting to be better. Right. And he said, most of the time, people think when you get up every single day on the quest to try to be better, people just think that applies to athletics. It was like, no, nah, man, I want to be a better father. Right. I want to be a better son. I want to be a better friend. I just want to be a better person. And he talked about his journey, which is phenomenal. Right. And so we greatly appreciate you, Cam, QB1, for your time. Man, the episode is awesome. It's phenomenal. Served as a blessing to a lot of people. Well, I'm telling you this story. Only off the premise that, man, you never know what somebody's going through. And something as simple as, hey, you know what, Mr. Chuck? Even though you threw your snow on mines, what I'm going to do, I'm about to go to Home Depot. I'm going to clean it all. Let's, let's, let's take off days where you do yours and I'm going to do yours and X, Y, Z. That'll work out. What you got going on today, man? I got hot chocolate. There's snow out here, bro. You need some hot chocolate? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It, it's, it's something where we all can be become better at, and I think it'll 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 not only help in you know cultural things, mm-hmm. not only help in um you know from the sexism racism part. It it just help the human human humans as a whole, yeah, you know humanity. Yeah, and 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 and, I, and here I am. I'm preaching. And here we go. Go back. I'm speaking to you, mm-hmm. but I'm talking to me. You know what I'm saying? Man. And that's that's just something that tends to happen. That's good, bro. I, I hadn't seen that story. That's that's wild, bro. Man. It's a it's a it's a downer, but a but a real life thing. Like it's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my goodness. And then you see it, and then it's like, I can't believe what I just saw. A matter of fact, I'm gonna send it to you. No and, and it's just like he and and when we was in the car, <laughs> when we was in the car, he sent it to me, and then I'm like, bro, this is crazy. Hey, hey, watch out! We don't need no road, right? Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can go over. You can go over. You know what I mean? Go, let him, <laughs> let him go, let him in. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. It, it, no it, doubt. Because people, you do not have no idea, yeah, um, what that what what that person is going through. Man, I got a confession to make, man. Yeah, yeah. I um. So when I was in Boston, mm-hmm. I would have to wake up early, early, you know, times in the morning. So my alarm clock hit at 420. I would be out the house by 430, 435, 445, something like that. On the road by five o'clock, getting to the facility around about 530-ish, right? Yeah. And every day, you know what I'm saying, I would I would hit the YouTube. I would boom. I like I need to manifest that that. The, the the thought of you know somebody needs to talk to me. Yeah. So you know, you know, you 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 did that project for me 
uh, open mic and, you know, E, you know, the person. So I just let my YouTube kind of choose it. Like, boom, whoever's there, boom. I like, you know, um, Les Miles, you know, obviously, you know, Eric, uh, yourself and man, one of them, one of them, like, so I'm always riding, you know, with my assistant and then like a photographer or videographer, you know, just to kind of capture, you never know what, you know, what it, what it may be. So they would always say, bro, we, we need ink, bro. We need ink. We, we, we going into X, Y, Z. And then they always say, I never cheated. I never cheated. We need that. Cause when we hear that, they go off, they stem off of what the successful was that week. Man, we won with, I never cheated. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. Bro, we were we was rocking, we was rocking it, man. And, and I was, I was still just like, bro, like, man, you got a power ink, bro. And and man. and I gotta write down what you just said about sometimes you go through, sometimes you go through certain things not to to, what do you say? Yeah, about accomplishing and becoming, but unbecoming yes. everything that's not you. Absolutely, I'm gonna send that to you too. Man, please do, man. I, I, man, I'm trying to type it up right now, man. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. yeah, man. It's golly, man. It's it's. We have a responsibility and a due diligence, mm-hmm. you know, as a as a human race, let alone as black men, Absolutely. to really to really change the narrative or the or the corporate. Mm. And you know, here I am. I'm a I'm a father. And oftentimes, you know, you're 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 thrusted in this role, you know, to be something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to your nephew, to your son, you know, that I met and 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 everybody alike that I may not have known who they were, they expect you to be this type of way. We talked to my guy, Jesse Itzler, the man himself, Mr. Entrepreneur, right? Some of you all may know him and his wife, co-owners of the Hawks entrepreneurship, like too many to name in terms of brands and businesses. You know, his wife, Sarah Blakely, owner, founder, Spanx. But the thing that touched me the most about Jesse Itzler and inspires me the most, man, is just the husband and the father that he is, right? Like the things that he does for his children, the thing that he does for his wife. You know, he's phenomenal, man. Ultra marathon runner, by the way. He crushes it. But if you watch some of the things that he says, right, like I'm never too tired for my kids, right? Some of the things that he says, right? I don't want my kids to look at me as their coach. I want them to look at me as their father, their dad, right? Like phenomenal. His episode served as a blessing to a lot of people. I appreciate you, Jess. The champions don't panic. Hmm. They handle the lows. They handle the lows. Look how you handle the lows. You handle the lows. Very well. And that, that's a commonality in all the greats that I've seen. I'm not talking about me. In all the people that I've seen, they handle, they handle the lows and the challenges really well. Instead of, no, I'm not built for that. I'm not wired for that. That's too much of an obstacle. You know? And you'll see that any leader. That's strong, man. Like, it, it, it makes me think about, like I say to people a lot, Jesse, like, man, have gratitude in advance. Right. And they're like, how can I be grateful for something that hasn't happened yet? How can I be grateful for something I haven't encountered yet? 
I said, that's the byproduct of the mindset and the disposition. So when the opposition does show up, when the adversity does show up, if you're already thinking along the lines of gratitude, it makes it a lot easier to conquer it. Not saying that the opposition will be easier, but you're already in the right state of mind to fight it. And so when you say that about waiting on it and what took you so long, it makes me think about that, man. But you like you inspire me on a different level. Right. Like when I see you with your children. Right. I see you with your wife. I see you running with your guys like it's incredible. But right now you have four kids under 11. Correct. Yes. Right. Like what do you think about or what's the goal in terms of just being a father with your children right now in this phase of life? Like with what's going on in the current climate of the world with the pandemic? Like what's your goal as a father with your children every single day? Well, I have one rule with my kids for starters, and that's that I'm never too tired for my kids. So I have, if I can give so much effort to my business and so much effort to training, you know, if I'm training for a race or so much effort to another project, and then my kids want to have a baseball catch and I'm like, guys, I'm so tired, man, we'll do it tomorrow. Then my life model's not right, you know? And my kids are only going to be six years old for a year then seven, then they eight, and then in four or five, you know, six, seven years, they're off to college. So the window is so small. So that's rule number one. But listen, man, I didn't, you know, the only, only access I had to how to be a parent, they don't teach it in college. There's no courses that I, I took. You know, I had two parents that were together, still together for 65 plus years. So I had them. Awesome. Then I had then I had the Brady Bunch and the Cosby Show. <laughs> like, that's really like the extent of my training. So I'm a, work, I'm a work in progress, man. And if I missed a good episode of the Brady Bunch and the Cosby Show, I guess maybe the Partridge family. That, and that was my manual. That's and awesome. so, so my, my thing is where I am today, and it'll evolve, I'm sure, as I get older, mm-hmm. uh, is show them. I don't tell them. Like, my kids see me going out when it's pouring rain and, and putting in, you know, a 10-mile run. They, they see me not negotiating that or using that as like, oh, I'll do it later. I'm not going to run today. Mm. You know, the things that I want my kids to see, and I'm not perfect, man. I make mistakes, vices, all that stuff. Absolutely. I, I want them to see. It's hard. I'm their dad, not their coach. Mm. They don't want to look at me as a coach. Mm. So they want to get inspired by me doing stuff, failing, sharing with them, how I bounce back. Mm. You know, like when I I lived on a monastery with um, for for a couple of weeks with these eight monks that had been there for 50 years. And I asked them about um, grieving Mm. because I've never had both my parents are alive, knock on wood. My close friends, the majority of them, I haven't had a ton of tragedy in my life. I've been so lucky, man. Like, awesome. ridiculous. But it's inevitable. Mm. It's inevitable. Absolutely. And I want to be prepared. And I don't really know how to grieve, you know? Mm. Like, so I asked them about it. Like, how do you guys handle grief? You know, they're the monks, the spiritual masters. Absolutely. And they, they gave me a lot of feedback on that. But the one thing that I thought was really interesting was it's a, that they were saying like how you handle grief and really tough situations is bigger than you because it could, you could be an inspiration to other people that are grieving or going through really tough times. Mm. So 
there's an opportunity and almost a responsibility. Now, everybody grieves differently. Everybody grieves on their own timeline. But for some, there's an opportunity to help all these other people that are going to go through, you know, think of all of those that are suffering from cancer. You know, there's an opportunity to be a shining light mm. to so many. I'm watching it right now. My, my wife's best friend's son, 18 years old, man, insane fight for his life right now. She's unbelievable. And I keep saying to Sarah, like, I don't know if I could do what Christina's doing. Like, mm-hmm. I've never seen a commitment to, a, to, to a, another human like this. And it's an inspiration. Absolutely. And she doesn't even realize what she's doing. She's trying to save her son's life. Mm-hmm. Yet hundreds of people are inspired by her dedication mm-hmm. to her son. And that's the opportunity that we get, all of us, when we think we're having a hardship, mm. what the what that hidden blessing is. I mean, look at you, man. Yeah. Example number one, you know, yeah. and, and you don't even, you know, but you don't realize it, you know, you don't realize it. So there's all these different lessons. Yeah. Our guy, Mr. Wallow267, the man himself, man, inspiring journey, right? He talks about marketing a lot. He talks about, you know, monetizing your brand a lot, but also he talks about you know, just his personal story, right? From prison to one of the most influential people that we've come to know in the world today, right? Journey that's inspiring, second to none. And just the way he lives his life is phenomenal. The lens of which he get up every single day and he sees light through is phenomenal. It's inspiring, it's motivating, it's educating, it's empowering. Wallow, man, we greatly appreciate your time. We greatly appreciate your spirit. We greatly appreciate your insight. So I always say when I get out there... I'm going to try to give him some black Anthony Bourdain vibes to where as though when I first came home, I used to go to businesses in the community mm-hmm. that people don't know because, as you know, you might live in a hood. Mm-hmm. And 15 blocks away from him, that's not your neighborhood. So if you don't ever go that way, you might don't know is a good is a good vegan soul food spot there or a good bookstore there. So I would be the dude to go to these spots in Philly, all over the city. Yeah, I'm Wallow267. Welcome to Boom, 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 Boom. They got this, they got that. You need to check. And I used to do free commercials for people. Dope. Because one thing that I understood was this. <laughs> There's no such thing. Because I, I study, I always studied marketing myself. Uh, mm-hmm. George Lowe. Uh, you know, I read books like George Lowe's Damn Good Advice. He the mm-hmm. dude that had, they did a story about uh, the TV show Mad Men about the ad agency. Yeah. So I, I always was fascinated with commercials. So I understand certain marketing colors. I understood a lot of stuff. But one thing I knew, if, if I ain't know anything, I never forgot when I was a kid. And I used to always hear the people on TV shows or, or like, like news show or whatever. They'd be like, all right, time to pay the bills. We got to pay the bills. Hmm. I was talking about the ads. Yeah, absolutely. So I said, okay, I got something for you. I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this social media and while everybody else is just doing it, I'm going to put ads on my content. Mm. The way I'm going to put ads on my content is I'm going to, I'm going to do these commercials for free. Then one day people are going to pay me to do commercials on my social. So mm. now as when you see that promo, you're like, oh, it's really an ad. But the way I'm doing it, I'm making it ad free because it don't feel like an ad. So now, and then, and then now I can say, all right, no, I need this. I need that. You know what I mean? I need, you know, whatever the value of it. So it's like now it's like, 
I didn't took you didn't took <clears throat> social media page and turn it into a network. Mm. That, that's 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 you know what I mean utilizing the ad, putting the ads up against it. Yeah. See, I don't care what you do. If you could put ads up against anything, you got it. You got some serious stuff now. Mm-hmm. And now in this world, it's easy because you don't. This before I was able to go to corporate America and get and, and you know and be doing ad business with them. I was just dealing with main man that got the barbershop, homie with the clothing line, shorty with the the, the soul food spot. So it was like, yeah. you see, what I'm saying you understand. You you get the understanding that you be like okay this how you do that this how you all right bet now they're like yeah I need I got budget my budget is this I, I need you to do this I need you to pull all right bet this is how much I can do it for this is, so now I'm taking social media and putting ads up against it yeah. why you know what I mean so now I'm able to you know do more to keep the traction so I'm like all right bet now I got this I got this big I'm doing more stuff. So now, because now that's paying because you have people thinking like, damn, this dude just be running around. He ain't got no job. He ain't got nothing. No, bro, I got a job. I sell merch. I got, I got a, I got a damn name like an ad agency. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, strategy. I started, I started getting speaking in gigs and all. So it was like, bro, I'm like, I'm doing great. That's you know true. what I mean? But so it's like, I think a lot of times we talking about monetization. Mm-hmm. We don't. A lot of us don't know how to monetize us. Yeah. Um, it's just about not knowing. Like it's a lot of things I just didn't know. Like Maurice, Maurice Collette, he taught me a lot about like setting up your booking email, how to get booked. You know what I mean? When they book, you know, he taught he taught me a lot of stuff. Connected me, like he connected me with universities and all type of stuff. Like he's a dude that seen me out of nowhere and said, "I want to help you." You know what so, I mean? Because he said, "I know it's coming." I'm talking about. Bro, I was like a couple months out of prison. He just sent me an email, and now I'm messed up because I'm like, hold up. I just seen this boy 30 for 30 in jail. Mm-hmm. I was just, before I came home, I was in jail. I seen this 30 for 30. I was like, yo, man, it's, he went through some, sh-, you know what I mean? No so it's like, it, and then, and do you understand, not just seeing this 30 for 30, it's like, you see it's 30 for 30, but it's like, mm-hmm. when he was playing football, when he was playing for Ohio, Ohio D, Ohio State, it was like, bro, and prison, that was a big gambling, like, Paying the ticket like he was, the, yeah. you know, you circling up on Ohio because you know they're gonna win. Yeah. When you tick gambling ticket, so it was like, like seeing this dude on the on the TV screen and in, in the in the day rooms and prisons. Like this dude was like, he was that guy. He was the best player in the in the, in the nation. No doubt. And so you like now I got this dude on my line. He, I'm like, hold up, this can't be the. We get to kicking it. I'm telling you, some of the videos I've done early in my game, like a lot of the videos I've done. Cause most of the time you see me with these on, I'm even listening to music, I'm talking to somebody, and I'll be like, hold up. And I put my stuff on it. A lot of the videos I was done, I was talking to Reese on the phone. I'd be like, hold up, Reese. Mm. Early morning, I was talking yeah. to Reese. He was like, yo, man, you, you. And he would always push me, be like, yo, man, you got like the reason that me and Gil started a podcast was because Maurice Correct. Wow. He the one that was calling us, yo, do this. This is how you wow. get that. Was, that was him. He the wow. one that said, he the one that said, yo, man. Y'all got to, like, what is your, he called, I'm telling you, he used to call us, like, a couple times a week. Yo, mm. man, what y'all doing? What y'all doing? Wow. Like, y'all playing games. Like, this is what you do. This is how you get, what's the name? This is how you get ad rev. Mm. This is how you get, you know what I mean? Like, and the same, the same, same, everything, we, like, he gave me the game, like, in different departments. Like, from speaking to that, you know what I mean? So, it was like, yeah. you will have people out there that be, that come from places you least expect. 
Mm. But it's a connection that me and him have from being in that in that in that that system that's just deep. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like, man, I just try to get on here every day and give somebody something. Yeah. I give you something because I wanted somebody to give me something every day when I was in prison, but I ain't, mm. you know, it, I ain't have too much to reach out to. Yeah. And it's like, I, I know people like, I just be trying to hold down the people that the world forgot about. Yeah, There's a lot of people that the world forgot about because of their geographical location, they, they live in situation, wherever they on drugs, mental illness, the world forget about you quick. Yeah. And you'll be left out. You know what I mean? Cause like this world's moved off things these days. It's about things. Mm. And if and if you ain't got things, it'd be like they don't respect you out here, you know? And it'd be like like a person character no longer that. Like material things are supersede somebody character these days mm. out here in the world we living at. Because everything is about things and it's like you're measured off of things and it's like, yo, man, who is you without the things? Last but not least, man, our guy, Andre Ward, right? The legend in boxing, retired, undefeated. Not a lot of people do that, right? And he talked to us about his journey, right? Coming up, how he got into boxing. He talked to us about some of the figures and the people in his life that served as a source of inspiration and motivation. He talked about when he was a kid coming up through the ranks and some of the things that happened that propelled him and still propels him until this day. But also he talked about him as a father, man, him as a husband, him as a family man. He talked about some of his goals, his dreams, and his aspirations, right? He talked about his toughest fight, right? And what that did for him, his spirit, and his mentality. The episode was phenomenal. That last loss, uh, like it was yesterday. Mm. You no, know, John Revish, a fighter in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And mm. I was in the 14, 15 year old division. And we were in opposite brackets, and the way it works, it was a it was a national tournament in in in, in Lenexa, Kansas, called the Silver Gloves, and it, this was everything mm. for my age. You know, we we you would get a nice shiny belt if you won. You get these silver gloves, and, and you got bragging rights for a whole year. My boy won the silver. <laughs> no doubt. So we there, Inc., and, and and we got. I don't know John Revish, but I'm starting to see him, and he's knocking guys out. So I would have my fight. There's three rings. I would have my fight in ring one. Then look over there, ring two, like, man, okay, that's John. You know, if he keep winning, we're going to meet each other. Boom, he a clipper dude and knock him out. I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm trying to process this and figure this out. Then the next night, I win my fight. He clip another dude. I'm like, man. But I'm not really telling my coach that I'm feeling like this, right? right? It's the first time I've ever really felt intimidated. No doubt. But the kid is muscular. He a country boy, but he's a, he's a year older than me. He's 15, about to be 16, mm -hmm. and I just turned 14. So we meet in the finals. And the fight could have went either way, but I give him the nod because I did just enough to lose the fight. I just didn't trust myself and believe in myself enough, Inky, to go out there and beat John Revish. And he did believe in himself. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming back from Lenexa, Kansas, curled up in a ball on a Southwest Airlines flight. I had the whole road of myself. So and for, for whatever reason, I remember every detail. There's a lot of turbulence. My coach and my assistant trainer, they were in the back. I was kind of in the front. And the looks on their faces and, mm. and the way that I felt inky, I, I never wanted to, to, to feel that again. And I know it's not all up to me, but I told myself that day, as much as up to me, the, the training, the focus, all this stuff, I'm never going to let this happen again. Nobody's going to ever beat me again 
before I get in the ring. If you beat me, you're going to have to earn it. Wow. That's strong. <laughs> That's strong, bro. Like, I yes, love, I, I love, like, one of the things you talk about, Dre, is like being mindful. Like, when I hear you speak a lot and just talk in different settings, you talk about you got to be mindful. Like, why is that so important? Man, I think in life and in athletics, man, I just think it's, you know, I, like, detail is everything, Absolutely. you know? And I, like, as a, as, a, as a person and as an athlete, I never felt like I just had this unbelievable, you know, freakish gift of speed and power and strength and, you know, ability, you know, like, any projects I take on, whether it's my documentary or, you know, maybe starting a podcast one day or or trying to sell a book, like anything that I find that I have to do, I got to work hard for it to be a success. Absolutely. So the details matter to me. Right. And that's how I was taught. We didn't leave any stone unturned. And of course, you don't do everything right. But I'm in a business, even as an amateur, it's a business. Mm-hmm. I'm in a sport where it's about inches. Hmm. If I leave one hand down an inch or two, I can get hit with a punch that can knock me out and change everything. So when, when you got this kind of pressure on you every single day to be right, hey, man, get your hand up, watch your footwork. This stuff kind of, it doesn't leave, it doesn't just stay in the gym. It's, it, you you, you kind of use that, that mindset in life. You know, it's a saying that, you know, how you do some things is how you do all things, Absolutely. you know. And um, that's just kind of how I was wired, Inc. That's just the way I was trained. That's the way I was groomed. That's the way I was developed. And it can get, you know, if it's not tamed, it can get out of hand and you can, you can get too tough vision with life, you know, so that can get me in trouble sometimes. I got to take a step back and breathe. But when it's, when it's harnessed the right man, it can produce great results. Absolutely. Like I was talking to, um, to an athlete earlier and we was talking about that, like distinguishing the mentalities and understanding the carryover. Right. How we approach our respective craft and how it applies to other areas and aspects of our life, whether it be when we're husbands, when we're fathers, whatever the case may be. Like, how do you feel, Dre, in terms of just being a boxer has impacted you as a husband and as a father every day with your approach to life? Well, I think it's been a blessing, man, just my wife and kids just being able to see the journey and see the grind. You know, I've been through uh, haven't had a loss in the ring, but. You know, I've had losses outside the ring. You know, I've had to fight lawsuits, you know, mm. manager, promoter. I've had to, to deal with countless injuries. And, and a lot of people don't even know the gist of how bad some of those injuries are. You know, I've had to, uh, the dog days of physical therapy, you know, driving an hour to go get to my physical therapist, Lisa G in San Francisco, and mm. the phone's not mm. ringing. Nobody's calling, checking on me because I'm not making any money for mm. anybody. I'm not mm. an asset right now because I'm hurting. I'm on the sidelines. My kids and my wife being able to see those times or, you know, even going through the lawsuits and I'm like, man, I, am I doing the right thing? I'm, I'm doing this on principle. But, you know, the media is spinning it one way, man. Am I doing the right thing? And them seeing me work through that and work through my faith and all of that stuff, I think, was a benefit um, for my wife and my kids. Mm. And, and even just just seeing my wife, you know, just just man, she's a trooper, man. You know, my, my wife isn't the type of woman that's covering her eyes up ringside at a fight. She <laughs> that's going to pray and say, babe, you're ready. Mm. You know, I got to back here at the house while you had training camp, go handle your business. Yeah. And that was all a lesson for me. So I hope that my kids and my wife got something from me, but I definitely appreciate the sacrifices my wife and my kids made. Because if you think about it, 
you know, a training camp is about eight weeks and typically it's two or three times a year. So six months out of the year, I'm training. I'm away from them. So I feel like we kind of we needed each other, but we kind of blessed each other based on how we dealt with and responded to just the sport of boxing throughout the years. Absolutely. Like I was I was reading this in Kobe's book. You know, he was just talking about like a lot of times when you see a great athlete or a person that's just great at whatever they do. A lot of people don't realize how many people play a part in that person becoming great and having family members, having friends, right? Different trainers, whatever the case may be. And so that's great, man, that you say that. That's confirmation. Uh, One of the things that I want to touch on as well, Dre, is just that, like, what was your toughest match, your toughest boxing match, your toughest fight? Like, what was your toughest one? That's a a loaded question, you know? Um, (laughs) That's a loaded question because you know you know how it is in, in, in sports. It's like you know you play college football, high school no football at a high level. They're they're tough in different ways. Absolutely. But I would if I had to pick one, Inc. I would probably say uh, one of my biggest moments was getting it was was fighting Edison Miranda. Okay. Now, now Edison Miranda. Um, was a guy who still had a lot left in the tank, but you know he, he had, his better days were behind him, right? But he was very dangerous. You mm. know, guy that comes from Columbia, uh, hits extremely hard. He was known for putting guys' lights out. Like that's what he was known for his punching power. And I was at the stage where I was at this fringe contender. Now I was at the contender fringe champion mode stage, where it's like some people believe that maybe I was ready for the leap, the jump to fight for a championship. Mm-hmm. Some said, yeah, you got to get through Edison Miranda and let's see how he does. That fight for me, man, was everything because I got to keep it real with you. When that fight was signed, mm. I had to go take a walk. <laughs> I had to go, I got to, I had to go have some self-talk. No you doubt. Know, because I just knew like this is going to be a long night or a short night depending on how I respond to this. Mm. And I wouldn't say that I was afraid, Inc., but, but I had my concerns for sure. No doubt. And I can remember Verge, my coach, telling me, he called him, he said, Dre, the fight is done. I said, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> he said, uh, "He said you need to make up your mind right now that no matter what he hits you with, it's not going to be enough. Mm. And I said, you know, I was just quiet. And he said, people don't realize that the gift of taking a big punch is not just physical and, and neurological. He said it's in a mindset. Wow. And he would point me to certain fighters, right? Like Aaron Pryor, when Aaron Pryor fought Alexis Arguello, right, in the 80s. Alexis Arguello was this polished, you know, he was the golden child. And, and Aaron Pryor was, was a guy that was undefeated and was known as a brawler out of a Cincinnati ghetto. They didn't really know if Aaron Pryor had what it took to beat Alexis Arguello. But when you watch Legendary Nights, it kind of recaps that fight. Mm-hmm. You see the mindset of Aaron Pryor. Aaron Pryor came to the ring and he said, you know, when they did the introductions, the, the ring announcer announced Arguello as Mr. Arguello. Mm. And then he turned to me and just said Aaron Pryor. He said, when he did that, I went to a different place. He said, I took wow. shots that night that an average man couldn't take. So that's what Verge was telling me. So he said, Dre, make up your mind now that this is this is what you're going to do. So and throughout the course of eight weeks, I tried to condition myself. Like, okay, man, no matter what he hit me, what it won't be enough. And this fight was so important. This fight was so difficult because you had a guy that wasn't, that was still a little bit older, but still dangerous. But, but, but Inc., if I didn't perform in this fight, mm-hmm. it was going to give my critics an opportunity to say, yeah, he was a gold medalist, but mm-hmm. I told you he was world championship material. But all of the guests, man, like you guys were incredible. I greatly appreciate you dedicating your time to me 
you know, on my first season of Serendipity with Inky Johnson. We're looking forward to the second season. Going to be fresh perspective, fresh insight, fresh new guests. And I can't wait for you guys to tune in. See you soon. Peace.